0: Amen. (laughs) Amen. What a sweet time of worship. What a sweet, sweet time of worship. Uh, I've said this before, but just in case you weren't here or you've slept since then, um, that third song we sang, My Stronghold, I hope you enjoyed that because I worked hard to write that song for you guys. I'm just kidding. Josh wrote that song. For those of you that may have missed that the first couple times we sang it, Josh wrote that song. I love that song. It's, uh, It's really good. I appreciate you, Josh. Taking the time to do those types of things, just based it off the Psalms, and what else better to sing than Scripture back to the Lord? Um, obviously, pardon our mess, pardon our mess. We are under construction. We're working hard, and by we're working hard, I mean Doug's working hard, um, but and many others. But we're working hard to get this done as quickly as possible. But um, have been encouraged by the work so far and everything that's taken place and. Man, who knew when you leveled out two steps in the back of the stage would grow six times? It's crazy how much bigger it looks to me now. Which bigger was not the sake of the point, for the sake of being bigger, but we did need to get it a little bit bigger to do what we we're hoping we can do. But anyway, we appreciate that, and more work to come. So uh, we started in this series last week: rhythm, walking in the spirit of the Holy Spirit. We started off the year talking about being close to God, walking with God, being close to God, walking with the Spirit, this idea that uh, in this life, in order to live an effective walk with the Lord, we have to be close with the Lord. We have to know what He, what he wants from us. We have to know what He's asking us to do. We talked about the, the will of the Lord. A lot of the, it's all, all this ties together. It's two separate series, but really it's, it's coming from one heart and one d- way that I feel like we're being guided towards and just spending some time talking about this. Last week we talked about the what the, like the motivation behind this the the walking with the lord what we want to do and then this week is more practical and and how to actually the next several weeks are more practical and how to so if you're not inspired to do these things go back to listen to last week and maybe you'll be inspired to do that hopefully the lord will inspire you to do that so I'm going to read through last week's scriptures real quick first we're going all the way to 23 today but so this is for this reason also this is Paul talking to the colossians since the day we heard this, we haven't stopped praying for you. We are asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, so that, so that, so that, so that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power according to His glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the saints' inheritance. In the light, so we summed up all of last week with this one statement: A walk pleasing to the Lord bears the fruit of good works. Therefore, we grow in our knowledge of Him, of who God is. That and this gives us strength upon strength from God to endure well, causing joyful thanksgiving for the gifts and grace of God. So that was summed up last week. If you're a note taker and you didn't get a copy of the notes today, there's still some back here, over here on these sides. And if you're out there in the interwebs through the camera. You can go to fbcdan.com slash notes, and you can have the same notes in front of you digitally. You're here. If you're here, you can do the digital notes as well. You can always email those to yourself when you're done. Um, so that summed up last week. That's what we're wanting to do. This week and the next several weeks are how do we actually do that? How do we actually do that? I know for a person like me, a productive person, a person that likes to produce that can find way too much value and what they produce or what they don't produce. Um, I always want to know, okay, that's great. How do I actually do that? So that's what we're talking about this week, and I will leave you at the very end sorely disappointed, so go ahead and be ready for that as that comes to the end. So I just want to read through this scripture and not skip to the end. The very end of this, those passages, kind of the, the heart behind the day, but this is just too good to not read it out loud together today. Um, so, I'm going to read through that and then get to the end uh, where we'll, we'll focus on the inspiration for where we're at today. So, then in verse 13, same place we were at Colossians, Paul continuing his, thought, uh, his discussion of his prayer. He has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. We have redemption, the forgiveness of sins in him. He is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn over all creation, for everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. This is the the centrality of Christ, in case you missed that. This is describing Jesus. Verse 17 He is before all things, and by him all things hold together. He is also the head of the body, his body, the church. He is the beginning. The firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile everything to himself by making peace through the blood of his cross, whether things on earth or things in heaven. Verse 21 Once you were alienated and hostile in your minds because of your evil actions. Once you were alienated and hostile in your minds. Because of your evil actions. Wow. Verse 23. But now he has reconciled you by his physical body through his death to present you holy, thoughtless, and blameless before him. Finishing in verse 23. If indeed you remain grounded and steadfast in the faith and are not shifted away from the hope of the gospel that you heard. So the centrality of Christ is why we want to do all this in the first place. But then it talks here at the end. Jesus has reconciled you to God the Father as an evil, hostile enemy of God. Jesus' blood reconciled you to, to God the Father. And then he finishes there in verse 23. If indeed you remain grounded and steadfast in the faith and are not shifted away from the hope of the gospel that you heard. You can take that out of context and you can teach some really, really bad doctrine. Really bad doctrine. But the fact of this is faith will be revealed throughout someone's life. True faith can't be lost. True salvation can't be lost. But fake faith will be revealed throughout our life. That's what Paul is saying here. He take the whole letter in context, especially at the very beginning of it. Hey, we've heard about how great your faith is. We've heard about what you're doing. We're fired up about what you're doing. And in confidence, I know that you will remain grounded and steadfast in your faith. But the ones that aren't are going to be led away by these false teachers that I'm fixing to talk to you about in the next couple of chapters. So that's what Paul's saying here. So there's an if there, and that if should, it could, and probably should make us a little uncomfortable. But I believe in the assurance of salvation, I believe in the security of the believer. But I do believe that those that say words can be revealed to be not followers of Jesus by their life. So, yeah, it's a little uneasy there, but I don't think you could take that out of context and make it mean something it doesn't, but it doesn't mean that. But Paul knows that genuine faith is seen in patient and steadfast day-to-day Christian living while counterfeit faith so hard in its early stages to distinguish from the real thing withers and dies. That's from the Tyndale Commentary. Real faith, genuine faith, is seen in patient and steadfast day-to-day Christian living. While counterfeit faith, very hard to distinguish early between counterfeit and genuine faith, withers and dies with time. So if you indeed remain grounded and steadfast. So continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it, Paul is saying to the Colossians, and I believe to us. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news and placed your faith in it. Paul finishes verse 23 with a reminder of the scale of the gospel, the scale of the gospel that is already transforming and building strong faith. As he says at the end of verse 23, this gospel has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven. Obviously a rhetorical, uh, 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 an allegorical statement there, not a literal statement. And I, Paul, have become a servant of it. He's saying, hey, this is a big old thing that we're all part of, so don't get lost in the day-to-day of it. But I want you to notice the assurance of Paul calling on those that have genuine faith to continue in, the faith. in other words, we come to faith in Jesus, we come to faith, we come to salvation, we come to faith in Jesus, and we continue in faith in Jesus. It doesn't stop. It's not just a moment of salvation. It's a continuation of salvation. It continues to work out throughout our entire life until it comes upon completion. I'm looking forward to that day. Now, I don't know about you, but when I was spiritually reborn... When I placed my faith in Christ, when I got saved, however you want to say it, I didn't show up in a new body. Anybody else get a new body when they got saved? Because you need to come tell us that story if that's true. Okay. Okay, so we're a new spirit from God through faith in Christ, and we still have a sin-prone body to live in. Therein lies the tension of following Christ, the difficulty of following Christ this side of eternity. That's the hard part, amongst many other things, but that is the hard part. My point is, how do we get good at anything in this life? How do we get good at anything in this life? If you want to be good at sports, some of us, that's our focus. We're focused on sports, and I've been there. Now I can barely walk, so it's not my focus anymore. If you want to get good at sports... What do you do? If you want to get good at piano, what do you do? If you want to be good at business, if you want to be good at relationships, if you want to be good at anything, what do you have to do? You gotta practice. You have to practice. We talking about practice. I know some of you are thinking it. Yeah, we're talking about practice. We know that. In okay, First John, he says it like this. For this is what love for God is, to keep his commands. Now, his commands are not a burden, because whatever has been born of God conquers the world. This is the victory that has conquered the world, our faith. Our faith conquers the world. And who is the one who has conquered the world but the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Faith in Jesus conquers the world. That's why that verse is back there on the fellowship hall walls to remind us of what we're supposed to be doing, spreading a kingdom that conquers the world. But it says there that we have to keep his commands, and his commands aren't a burden. In other words, we have to put into practice our faith, put into practice our faith. And practice has a routine, and practice has things that you do on a regular basis. And that's what we're talking about today, what we need to put into practice. I'm not sure originally where this quote from I I looked it up to try to find there's different ways and different people that get kind of get credit for it but there's it's said many different ways but this is probably my favorite version of this quote amateurs practice until they've got it right professionals practice until they can't get it wrong that is a profound statement by the way and most of us in many cases fall into that top part of that quote and not the bottom part of that quote, but you know what I'm talking about, someone who is a pro at something, man, they just got it down, they have got it down, I've heard this quote many different times, not sure where it came from, the difference, this is the difference, and the best to ever do it, and the Roy's, if you don't know who the Roy's are, okay, that's when I was practicing in college, and this group went over here to do this specific thing, and then the rest of y'all go do this, that was the Roy's, okay, you didn't want to be in the Roy's, that means you weren't getting any attention, But the best to ever do it, and the Roy's, the difference is the amount of practice and what is practice. That's the difference. Everybody is the the amount of practice and what they practice. Or you can say it like this. Did it go? It went. Under pressure, you don't rise to the occasion. You sink to the level of your training. Now, that's how the Navy SEALs say it. It's not the original quote, but that's how they say it. Archilochus was a Greek poet and he said it a little di- slightly differently, but it's, it's just carried on because it's true. Under pressure, you don't rise to the occasion. You sink to the level of your training. We know these truths to be self-evident. You, this is common sense for human beings. Let me give you an example to bring it to light. I can dress like Beethoven. I can talk like Beethoven. I can buy a piano exactly like Beethoven used. I can move to where Beethoven lived. I can live even in the house that he lived in. I can do all those things. But none of that will help me play the piano like Beethoven. None of it. Matter of fact, if I came up here dressed like him and said I was going to play the piano like Beethoven, you'd probably think I'd lost my mind. Because that's how silly it is to think you can just wear the clothes and say the things and show up and be the thing. It's like, well, I want to be a professional baseball player, so I'm just going to show up and be a pro. Probably not. Probably not. I seriously doubt that. None of that saying those things will help me be like Beethoven when it comes to playing the piano. And this is where we let ourselves off the hook when it comes to this kind of stuff. Some of you already did it when I said that. You were thinking, yeah, but you ain't got the talent that Beethoven had, which is true. But. That's what we do with things like that, with greatness, with things, with, sometimes with people that do things very well. We let ourselves off the hook about anything like this. We say, well, Beethoven was a genius. Beethoven had talent. So why would I even try to play the piano like him? Right? We see a, a great athlete. Well, he's got talent. He was blessed with a gift. We see these things and we let ourselves off the hook. We're like, well, they've just given that gift. What a load of wimpy, whiny, worthless manure. That's what that is that's a load of junk does something take talent sure is it the only ingredient absolutely unequivocally no at all is that true that is not true that's something we say to make ourselves feel better about not doing what we know we should do to become what we want to become that's where that comes from moving along the cool thing is the gifts of the spirit or if you wanted to use that word talent, the talent of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, they are guaranteed and put into place when we come into faith in Christ. 1 Corinthians twelve seven says, To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. When you place your faith in Christ, something is given to you that is good for the church. You have a gift given to you. So now the question is, you have the spiritual talent, the question is, what are you going to do with it, with your spiritual talent? So even if that wasn't a valid excuse, it's not an excuse because you have it. So for the next several weeks, we're going to talk about how to practice the actual what to do, to discipline ourselves, to live out the kingdom of God in our everyday lives, instead of trying to manifest the ability to make the choice or to respond correctly in the situation. Like again, show up and play like Beethoven, or practice to be like Beethoven? Which one has the better chance? Okay? Show up and I'm just going to do the Christ thing? I'm just going to do the Jesus following thing? Well, what about when so-and-so says something about someone you love? Well, if you hadn't practiced what to do, you're probably going to respond in an inappropriate way. Maybe with a swing or two. Maybe justifiably. I don't know. But instead of trying to manifest that ability, how about we practice the discipline of actually being able to do what we're supposed to do? So, Moving along because I can tell this is tracking very well so far. As we get into this for the next several weeks, I am not discounting the grace of God. I am not discounting the work of the Spirit. I'm not saying that you can just do specific things and become... What I, I, I'm not saying any of that. All of it is in God's hands. All of it is in God's hands. He is sovereign over all things salvation is a gift from god i'm not saying in any shape form or fashion can you save yourself that is not the point that is not true for one you can't and it's not the point but in that vein in that same way of thinking i'm in no way saying that we can do the right things and therefore god will love us or that he will bless us or or more because we're keeping a list and checking it twice but i am saying and for my list checkers that i usually stomp on your toes Here's a good point for you. You ready? I am saying that there is a list of common practices that help discipline our sinful bodies to respond, to decide, to react, and to live out the kingdom of God appropriately as we have been called to do. There is a thing that most, most impactful Christians have done on a regular basis to be effectual followers of Christ. There is a rhythm to walking with the Spirit and in the Spirit, to live a life worthy of the Lord Jesus, fully pleasing to him. And that is what we're talking about doing, staying close to God and doing these things. So we're talking about the spiritual disciplines of fasting and feasting. Okay, Some of you already rolling your eyes and grumbling. The spiritual disciplines of fasting and feasting. Now, here's what's cool about how God works. This has been on my heart for, for a decent amount of time. This, this time period we're in this year, part of it is my own inabilities, my own lack, my own inadequacies in my own life, my own tendency to drift away from the things that are important. Part of it is coming from that, to be perfectly transparent and honest. And part of it is we just all need to remember what, what is most important. And and God just laid that on my heart to start the year off talking about and focusing on being close to him and doing the things that it takes to be close to him. But the thing that is cool about the Lord is as this was being revealed to me in prayer and in in scripture and those types of things, it's always like, well, how are you actually going to get this out, Lord? As it so happens, sometimes he uses saints in the church. So a couple of weeks ago, I was talking with Tanya and she had just read a book. And this book literally fit perfectly with what God was telling me to share. And I was like, oh, thanks, man. Like, you came through again. Thank you so much. So a lot of what I'm talking about is is based or at least has similarities to this book. The book is uh, The Spirit of the Disciplines, Understanding How God Changes Lives. It's by Dallas Willard. So you can read that and probably better than listening to me preach about it. But right now we're talking about the spiritual disciplines of fasting. And, next, and after we finish that, we'll talk about the spiritual disciplines of feasting. Fasting are things to avoid or do less of. And feasting, things to indulge in or to do more often. Fasting and feasting. Okay, So the things of fasting, the things that we should do less of or avoid. We should fast from others, from noise, from food from excess, from pleasures, from recognition, from security. I'm not going through all these today, so calm down. I can see what time it is. I know what's going on. All right. <laughs> so um, when it comes to these practices, remember this. Okay, remember this. This is, the key. This is key. Remember what, what Pete Rose said about practice. I practice what I'm not good at. Most folks practice what they're good at. He was asked, how are you so great at bas- baseball? And he's like, I focus on what I'm terrible at, and I practice on that most. Okay, Those of that are the golfers out there, you know exactly what I'm talking about. We like to practice driving and hitting the golf ball. It goes up in the air, and it inflates our egos. and We're like, awesome. But if we actually want to be good golfers, we should practice chipping and putting because we're not very good at that, but it's not as fun to do. Same thing here with these, these things. Some of these things you're naturally going to be better at. Don't focus on those for a while. Some of these things you're going to stink at. And you need to put a lot of time and energy into whatever that is. So keep that in mind as we go through these. Just going through the first couple ones today. So the first thing is fasting from others. Luke 5, 15 through 16. But now even more, they report about him. The report about him went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he, he being Jesus, he would withdraw to desolate places to pray. The whole point of all this is there is examples of what Jesus and his apostles did that helped them be effective in what they were doing. Jesus gives us the example of how to live. There's more to it than just, okay, well, I said a prayer and I'm saved. Now what? Well, just hang out and then God will take you to heaven one day. Well, there's a whole lot of living to take place in between that. So maybe we want to live the way Jesus lived. So Jesus practiced getting away from others. He practiced solitude. He demonstrated the power and necessity of getting away from people. Now, some of you, this is natural and easy. You're like, spend less time with people? Sweet. I'm already good at that, and I already like it. Okay? So if that is you, then you don't have to worry about this one. Okay? On the feasting, there's some stuff coming up for you that you need to be doing that's going to be hard. Okay? Okay? But if you're already good at it, then great. But if you're not, you need to think about it. Many are not. Guys, we have to have time alone. That's the way we're built. If Jesus needed time alone, you need time alone. We have to recognize our need for this and put it into practice. Now, you say, how much? How often? When? Okay, God set up rhythms. Rhythms. He set up the rhythm of, the, of life. A day is a, is a certain amount of time. A week, a month, maybe you do it daily, weekly, monthly, all these things. We'll get to all that, okay? But there are rhythms. The more you struggle with one of these, the more often you should practice the discipline of it. The normal course of the day-to-day human interactions locks us into patterns of feelings, thought, and actions that are geared to a world set against God. Nothing but solitude can allow the development of a freedom from the ingrained behaviors that hinder our integration into God's order. That is directly from this book, Dallas Willard. In other words, get alone, get alone, and think about being alone. Get alone and think about being alone. And in that, let God break up the ruts of human interaction, because if we're always around the same people, doing the same things, feeling the same things, experiencing the same things, all that we get in this rut, and it just can overwhelm us. We have to have time alone. Now, some of us that are good at this, because I can do this well, I'm good at this. This next one, it gets is where the rubber meets the road. Fasting from noise. It's one thing to be by yourself. It's another thing to be by yourself and be quiet. I don't know why that says Luke. It's a weird copy and paste there. Luke Psalm. Y'all ever read Luke Psalms? <laughs> Psalm 62.5. For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from him. Psalm 141.3. You can find a bunch of verses on these. These are just a couple. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Fast from noise. This is kind of a two-fold one. This is be silent and be in silence. Be silent and be in silence. More times than not, the right answer in a situation is to just keep your mouth shut. Yeah. Yeah. You heard that? I know many of you have heard the saying that we have two ears and one mouth, Excuse me. so we should do twice as much listening as we do talking. I've been thinking about that. I've been thinking about that, and I think it goes much deeper than that. It's deeper than that. We have two ears that remain open all the time, and one mouth that has the ability to close. I think we should do a tremendous, tremendously higher amount of listening than we do talking. And yes. I hear the irony of that as I stand here and talk. <laughs> I do. The other part of this is to be in silence. I'm terrible at this, guys. Terrible at this, and I bet many of you are too. Let me get, let me let me just put try to do this today. You go eat lunch. And it's time to go home. Drive to your house after church today in silence. No talking. Okay? That might be easy, but also no radio. No music playing. No podcast. No audible book. I'm 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 letting my I'm airing my dirty laundry here. Right? No, nothing. No noise. Nothing but you, God, and your thoughts. It gets real really fast. It scares us, I think, is why we don't do it very often. It scares us to be alone with God and not distracted by anything else. I mean, think about it. How often are you in your home doing something with the TV on just so there's noise? I'm terrible at this. I think it's a waste of time to be silent and not doing. I have to like be taking something in. Somebody teaching me. Somebody giving me something. Somebody, like No. Just be quiet and in quietness. It's powerful. Isaiah 30, 15. This was what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel said. In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. There is mighty power in being quiet in the world and before the Lord. There is strength in that trust that God will take care of you in that scary quiet moment. Why do we not like silence? I think because in silence, in solitude, we're only, left, we're only left with how hopelessly weak and broken we are. I think that's why. And in that recognition, in its terror and awe of our lack of ability, we find strength and grace, the grace of God that loves us still in our weakness and in our brokenness. Practice fasting from noise. How? Get up early. Stay up late. I don't know. There's time. Turn something off. Find the time. Start with 15 minutes. That will seem like an eternity. Just go and be just you and God. It is a fearful and terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God, Scripture says. But in that, we find a deeper appreciation and meaning in his grace and in his mercy and in his love. Spend time not being distracted. Daniel. The young person that was in Dr. Dirk's, Dirk Nelson's ministry said this about this, this discipline. The more I practice this discipline, the more I appreciate the strength of silence. The less I become skeptical and judgmental, the more I learn to accept the things I don't like about others the more I accept them as uniquely created in the image of God, the less I talk, the fuller our words spoken at an appropriate time. The more I value others, the more I serve them in small ways, the more I enjoy and celebrate life. The more I celebrate, the more I realize that God has been giving me wonderful things in my life. The less I worry about my future, I will accept and enjoy what God has continuously given, giving to me. I think I'm beginning to really enjoy God, I think many people that say they follow Jesus, if they could admit this and not be judged, would say, I don't really enjoy God. He doesn't seem very fun to me. Maybe we just need to be spending a little time with Him in silence and in solitude, and maybe we'll grow to enjoy Him more. Fast from food. Everybody's favorite. Matthew 6, 17. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. This is Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount saying, when you fast. It's not a command to fast. It's not a fan. It's not a a command. It's not. But fasting is an assumed spiritual practice of those who long to know God. Those who long for God following Jesus. It's just assumed that we would do this. Now, pardon me, sorry. Cough drop. I do not believe anything will show you the power the body has over you as when you choose to deny yourself food and or drink for a limited amount of time. I'm going to say that again. I do not believe anything will show you the power of the body Of our body and how it controls us other than specifically saying I'm not going to eat for a certain amount of time. Raise your hand if you've ever fasted from food. This is not a discrimination make you feel bad thing. Raise your hand if you've ever fasted, like legitimately fasted for spiritual reasons. Okay, all right. Okay, when the day came, whenever it was, and you said, okay, beginning now to now, whatever the time period it was that you chose, from now to now, I'm not going to eat. What happened almost immediately? You felt hungry. You felt deprived. All you could think about was food. Food, 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 food. It's all you can think about when you tell yourself you're not gonna eat. It's like whoa, food, You realize that the majority of your life revolves around thinking about what you're going to eat, who you're going to eat with, and where y'all are going to eat. It's like all you think about It's like 90% of your conscious effort daily, and you never realize that until you say, I'm not going to eat, and then it's like, whoa, not eat. How can I not eat? It's hard. Holy cow, it's hard. Don't believe me? Just tell yourself in the morning, when you wake up tomorrow morning, okay, today, for spiritual practices, I'm not going to eat lunch. Good luck. Good luck. Go ahead and try it. But there's power. There's power in fasting from food. Check this out in Matthew 4. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After he had fasted, 40 days and 40 nights, holy cow, blows my mind every time I read that verse. He was hungry. Shocker. Then the tempter approached him and said, have you ever thought about the spiritual sequence of that? Jesus was tempted by Satan? But before that, he did what it took to be powerful enough to stand up to that temptation. He's giving us an example. The Spirit led him to fast from others, from noise, and from food into the wilderness without food. Nobody else, no sounds, no nothing, no distraction, and no food. Totally dependent on the Spirit for 40 days and 40 nights and then satan showed up to tempt him and in that what did christ say i don't need food man lives on more than bread alone the word of god is my living bread holy cow that's amazing half of us can't skip a meal without wanting to die he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, but he, he felt hunger. He felt hunger. Read that. The God of all humanity felt hunger. And in that human lack, showed the power of God to look Satan in the eye and say, I'm living off the word of God, the Father. I don't need bread. I don't need you. I don't want you. There's power in fasting physically so we can be strengthened spiritually Daniel in the midst of visions from the Lord things that we still talk about he was on the cusp of his last vision in Daniel to be given to him from the Lord and fasted for three weeks in preparation for receiving that last vision Daniel 10 verse 3 I ate no delicacies no meat or wine and entered my mouth nor did I anoint myself with oil and get it fixed up For three full weeks. And then God gave him the last revelation that he wrote down for us to still be going, what exactly does this mean? But there's also fasting for the wrong reasons. Isaiah 58. Why have we fasted? This is people of Israel talking to God. Why have we fasted and you see it not? Why have we humbled ourselves and take no knowledge? And you take no knowledge of it. Behold, in the day you fast, you seek your own pleasure and oppress all your workers. Behold, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to hit with a wicked fist. God talking back to them. Fasting like your like yours this day will not make your voice to be heard on high. Israel was quote unquote fasting. No, they weren't. They just weren't eating food. But they were only performing an act to try and hold God hostage to their demands on how life should be. We physically fast to be spiritually strengthened and spiritually renewed. To focus on what matters so we can do what is best. Later in the chapter, Isaiah tells them what God wants from them in fasting and from them in general. He says this, a few verses down. Is not this the fast that I choose? God talking To loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless homeless poor into your house? When you see the naked, to cover them and not to hide yourself from your own flesh, from your own people? None of this, none of what we're talking about, and especially fasting, is about having a burden placed on you. God's yoke is light. And he's saying, do not oppress Which is to take advantage of people by power. Be generous, share your bread, clothe the naked, be hospitable with your home and your provisions, take care of people. God says you can physically fast all day long, but if you are doing it, but if you are doing it to become who I want you to become, if you aren't doing it, excuse me, for who I want you to become, it's a waste of time. You can physically fast, but if you aren't doing it for spiritual purposes, it's a waste of time. God wants us to change our behavior because how we behave affects others. It matters. It makes a difference. So that's the three we're going to stop with today. Fast from others, noise, and food. You said this was a how-to thing, preacher. It's 12.09 and you ain't got to know how-tos yet. I can make up a schedule. I can say, follow this. This is how you do this, exactly, do this. And then, those of you who did it fairly well, did it pretty good. You could feel good about it, you could feel superior about it. And those of you who didn't do it very good, who didn't do it very well, didn't follow that list, you could feel resentful about it, or defeated, either one. And there would be people feeling good about who they are, and people feeling bad about who they are, because of some legalistic thing we've made up. That's not the point of this. It's not the point. Just saying that these are simple, common practices you can put into practice that will make you more like Jesus if that is your desire. That's all I'm saying. We discipline ourselves to receive a crown of righteousness, to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. The disciplines aren't the end goal. Doing this isn't the end goal. That's not the point. So you can say, look at me. I'm fasting from others' noise and food. That's not the point. So... How often should you get away to yourself? How often should you spend time being silent and in silence? How often should you fast from food? This is for you to decide. But I know you should do it. I know you should do it. Let God lead you. Spend time on things you struggle with the most. Do you have people around you all the time? Are you that person? then you need to spend time alone. You need to fast from others. Are are you always the first to speak or the person that speaks the longest? Or in the same vein, is your life full of noise? Are you always constantly distracted by something? Then you need to fast from noise. Have you ever considered denying yourself physically so God can more clearly speak to you spiritually? If you've never even considered that, maybe you should fast from food. I got a medical condition. Well, talk to your doctor about how to do it properly. I'm not, I, I, and I'm not being facetious in that. Okay, I'm not saying you should go out and hurt yourself physically so God will bless you. You're hearing something I didn't say. That's not true. My point is, it's a relationship. He'll tell you. He'll show you. Ask him to show you. And he will. And then do it on a regular basis. And watch God change you. Watch him change how your spirit can have more control over your body because we're all still in a body. Finish up with this and I'm done. It's not the solitude. It's about being in the presence of God. It's it's not the silence. It's about hearing the voice of God. And it's not the lack of food. It's about receiving the provision of God. And just think, and, and I'll be done. Imagine a world where followers of Jesus actually, nah, that's too big. Let's reduce that a little bit. Imagine imagine a country where followers of Jesus actually no, that's too big to How about a state? Nope, you didn't feel that. How about a county? How about a town? How about a school or a bit no. Nope. Imagine your home. Just the people in your home or where you stay. Your immediate family, your immediate people. Just Picture that. Practice, picture that practicing the walk of life with the Spirit in a way that disciplined you and them to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. Imagine doing things that helped you do that on a regular basis. What kind of life is that? How much more would you look forward to spending time with each other? How much more joy? How much more fulfilling? Jesus didn't leave us here to be miserable, broken, and joyless people. We are here to have a life worthy of the Lord and pleasing to Him. Real God-like life. It can start today, if you've never placed faith in Him, or it can come back today, if you've strayed in your faith recently. Either way, The answer is repent, turn to him in faith, in trust, and in hope, and then put into practice the things that it takes to stay close to him. Starting with these three things, and we'll get to a whole bunch more in the coming weeks, so I hope you come. But if you've never placed your faith in Jesus, none of this stuff matters. You can fast fast for the next six months. Don't come around me, but you can do that. And it's going to be of to no avail for you. It's not going to help you at all unless you have first placed your faith in Christ and in that fasting you are doing it to know him because knowing him the word says is eternal life that is what eternal life is to know God and in knowing him love him I will pray for us and we'll finish in song God thank you for today, thank you for this time thank you that there are actually ways for us to know you better and to experience the life you have for us God, God as we can. This week and we as we continue in these weeks, the, the, God, keep us from a legalistic mindset. Keep us with an open heart for you to speak to us in the areas where we're weakest so that we can discipline our body by our spirit to experience a life and to bring a life and to bring the kingdom of God to this place. God, if there's someone here today that, that has has no shot of knowing you because they have never placed their faith in Christ. And that is to know you, to know Jesus and the blood shed for him, to know that God loves you enough to take the wrath upon himself so you aren't punished for your sins. If someone's here today and doesn't know that, they've never said, I believe Jesus died for my sins, was buried, and rose again, and will forgive me of my sins and will give me the gift of eternal life. I will live now and forever in a resurrected, celestial, real, true, never-ending, uncorruptible body. Then let that be today, God. Let it all be in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.